Every day I pick up my daughter at school and I see this other mom waiting for her little boy. She wears a, is it, is it called a hijab? Am I saying that right? People kind of keep their distance. I never see anyone talk to her. Sometimes I think I should, but about what? My office mate is one of those antagonistic atheists. Someone who's made it his personal battle to debunk all religion and make fun of people of faith. Sometimes I just get so angry at all the stuff he has to say. Other times, I get embarrassed. How am I supposed to share my faith with someone like that? Our upstairs neighbor is the crankiest old lady. And she only ever talks to us when she wants to complain. And of course, she's home all the time. I, I don't even know what she does all day. Like, I don't even know her name. And I, I don't know if she has a family and if she's lonely. But what am I supposed to do about that? Uh, yeah, so we got uh, uh, some new neighbors across the street. Um, a gay couple. Yeah, they seem really nice, uh, friendly even. I mean, they invited us over for dinner sometime. Uh, but, you know, once they find out that we're Christian, that'll be the end of that. Right? Every morning I get my coffee from the same place, usually from the same girl. She's young, energetic. She's always wearing a Black Lives Matter pin or a political t-shirt, something with a message, a, a cause. I admire that. It reminds me of myself when I was 20, <laughs> believe it or not. I have this crazy idea of inviting her to an event at my church. But something always stops me. I mean, why would she listen to somebody like me? Well, it's hard to think of any aspect of the Christian life that stirs up as much anxiety, guilt, and inadequacy as sharing our faith with others. We call it witnessing in the church world. And the mere mention of that word stirs up all kinds of uncomfortable images and awkward scenarios. None of us wants to be this guy. The great big repent t-shirt. Stopping strangers on the sidewalk and delivering a canned presentation of the gospel. That doesn't feel good on either end, I imagine. And you can hear some of the discomfort, some of the inadequacy in the voices of the Christ followers we just met in this video. They love Jesus and the life they have in him, and they love their friends and neighbors. They just don't know how to introduce them to each other without sounding weird or obnoxious. And we all understand that tension. But as we're going to discover this morning, we can never really thrive until we're sharing our faith with other people. We can never really thrive until we're sharing our faith with others. Now this fall, we have been working our way through the New Testament book of Colossians, a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in that city. And 
All fall, we've been learning what it means to thrive, to live life to the full, to experience everything God had in mind for us when he made us in his image and put us on this planet and told us to enjoy it and take care of it in partnership with him. So as we've kind of worked our way through the series, we've been collecting a little portfolio of what it takes to thrive. Now, we took a break for a few Sundays for Global Awareness Week, so let's remind ourselves of what we learned so far as we come down towards the end of our series. We learned that we thrive when we are grounded in the knowledge of God, when we put our roots down deep. We learned that we thrive when we are formed by the gospel, the good news of life with God. We thrive when we are centered in Christ, our lives, our homes, our church, our world. We learned that we thrive when we say yes to the better things God created us to do and to be. We thrive when we serve one another in the body of Christ. We thrive when we love our family members the way Christ loves us. We thrive when we treat our daily work like an act of worship. So as we come to the end of our series, we'll finish up next Sunday. We want to learn today, we're going to discover that we thrive when we share our faith freely and graciously with others freely and graciously. Now, if you like the people in the video, that's easier said than done. So let's one more time go to this letter that Paul wrote, this book of the New Testament, where we're going to discover what I'll describe as a stress-free strategy for sharing our faith with others. If you're a Christ follower, I hope it will help you deal with some of that anxiety and inadequacy. If you're not a Christ follower, I think, first of all, you'll find some wisdom here for everyday relationships and interactions. It also may help you understand better your Christ-following friends who from time to time have nicely or poorly tried to share their faith with you, okay? So let's read the whole section and then come back and look at a few verses. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now remember, Paul is writing to believers living in a city called Colossae. It was a city of the Roman Empire, a, a, a pagan city for the most part. So Christ's followers were a minority in that city, a misunderstood and sometimes persecuted minority. Rome had come to tolerate the Jewish population, but they didn't know what to do with these so-called Christian people. Some of them thought that Christians were a threat to the state because they refused to bow to the emperor. Others thought they were just plain strange following a deadly crucified leader, living simple, generous lives, and being so passionate about their faith. And remember, too, that Paul has been thrown in prison for doing the very thing he's going to ask them to do, share their faith publicly. So all that to say, these first early Christians had every reason, just as we do, even more than we do, for being anxious and uncertain about actually sharing their faith out loud with others. And so Paul tries to speak into that challenging situation, and the first thing he says to them and to us is to pray. To pray. Devote yourselves to prayer, 
being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. Now, that expression, devote yourselves to prayer, it's the same language that we find back in Acts chapter 1 to describe the early disciple, the disciples, just after Christ's resurrection and return to heaven. When they still didn't know what was going to happen to them, when they were still afraid for their lives, when they didn't know what was going to happen next, what we're told is they gathered in the upper room and they devoted themselves to prayer. And out of that prayer, God sent his Holy Spirit, filled them with courage, and next thing we know, they're in the streets preaching the good news of Jesus and thousands are coming to faith. And so Paul recalls that language, devote yourselves to prayer. And so the point is, before you even think about opening your mouth to speak, pray. And not a quick, one-off, last-minute kind of prayer. Paul's describing a sustained season of prayer. He's talking about a daily practice of prayer. And in particular, keeping in mind those folks we know who perhaps are far from God. That's what he means by outsiders. He's not trying to create an us-them sort of way of thinking. He's simply saying we all know people who, as of yet, have not discovered life with God the way we have discovered it. And so it's natural for us to want them to discover that life. The joy, the love, the peace, the forgiveness, the healing, the hope, the power, and the, and the promise of eternal life. We want that for the people that we know and love. And we all have folks like that in our lives. I want these things for the people I know and even for the people I meet every day. Walking around yesterday, beautiful November day in New England, seeing people just enjoying the beauty of the day and of the season. And I'm happy for that, but I want those folks to know that they can know the God who created that day, the God who gave us this world and all of its beauty simply for us to enjoy and to take care of. I want them to know they can in that moment thank God for giving them that day and see his handiwork. And that makes the day even more beautiful and more meaningful. I want them to enjoy that day to the full. I think that when I run errands around town and I'm just kind of doing business with people and I, I want them to know that their work matters. I want them to know that God designed them to work and to find fulfillment in their work. That they're making my life happier and easier by the work they're doing. They're serving our community. They're providing for their families. I want them to know the fullness and the richness of work well done. I think that sometimes when I bump into somebody or I see someone in a store or the mall or the, the street and, and, and they seem lonely or struggling or challenged by some life circumstance. And I want them to know that there's a community of people that will welcome them. A community of people where they'll be loved and accepted and enjoyed and valued and served just the way they are. Thinking about the children that we dedicated here a few moments ago on our service. Think about the challenging world that children and young people are growing up in today. I, I want children and, and teenagers and their parents to know th there's a community of people where it's safe to be a kid, where you can have fun and make friends and, and discover that spiritual impulse that God placed deep within you. I want them to know there's a place that can offer them guidance and love and wisdom as they navigate life. I want that for everybody I see. And sometimes I want it so badly, I just, I really want to run right up to them and, and grab them and hug them and tell them. I, I've actually done that once or twice, <laughs> literally. 
doesn't go well, usually. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> but I've tried it. So we all want that for people we know and love, but how do we do it in a way that's not weird or obnoxious or pushy? Oh, Paul says that the best thing to do first is just to pray. Not occasionally, not haphazardly, but consistently and daily to pray. He says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. You see, prayer makes us attentive. To be, to be watchful is to pay attention to keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts wide open to, to whatever God may be doing around us, to whatever is happening in the lives of people around us. It, it's so liberating to know that we don't have to make things happen. We don't have to force conversations. All we have to do is, is, is make our way through the day with our eyes and ears open for whatever God's already doing. He's already at work. His Spirit is already stirring things in people's hearts. Circumstances are falling into place. He's sovereignly guiding our steps. All we have to do is just pay attention and watch for open doors. Pray that God, you may open a door for our message. Don't miss the irony of this. Remember, Paul is writing this as a prisoner. If prison's about anything, it's about closed doors. Paul had every reason to say, you know what, I guess the doors for sharing the gospel have been closed to me. It's gotten me in pretty big trouble already. I think I'll just stop. But Paul believes that God can still open doors. Maybe open the doors of his prison and he'll be released and he can go preach around the empire again. But if not, God might open the doors of his captors' hearts and he might share his faith with them. And we know from other letters that's exactly what he did. Paul really believes God can and will open doors if we pray. Do we believe that? Do we pray that way? Are we devoted to prayer? Bo Chancy is the senior pastor of Manchester Christian Church, just up the road a little bit in New Hampshire. A few years ago, Bo wrote a simple little book entitled Pray for One. Pray for One. And the premise of the book is simple. He challenges Christ followers to begin every day by praying a simple prayer. Lord, give me one person or one opportunity to share your love today. That's it. Just pray for one every single day. One person, one opportunity. And Bo says that that simple prayer, the practice of praying that prayer every day, has not only changed his life, it has transformed his church. The church has seen remarkable growth in recent years, in large part because the entire congregation is praying for one every single day. So a couple weeks ago, as I was working on this message and this truth and actually was rereading Bo's book, I decided to try it, to pray for one. And so in my morning time with God that day, I simply prayed, Lord, give me one person or one opportunity to share your love with someone today. And as I was doing that, the Lord brought to my mind a, a, a guy I know from town. I'll call him Al. I've known him for years. Our boys played some sports together along the way. We bump into each other in town once in a while. He kind of gets a kick out of calling me reverend. <laughs> and we actually have talked about faith and church from time to time. And so as I was praying that morning, I just found myself thinking about Al again. And maybe I should reach out to him and try to get coffee with him or something. 
The problem was I don't have, I have no contact information for Al. I don't have his phone number or his email or anything. I know where he lives, but I'm not going to go knocking on his door because that would be a little weird. So I prayed, Lord, if, if Al's the one and you want me to reach out to him, you're going to have to arrange it because I have no way to get hold of him. And that was the end of my prayer. That evening after dinner, Karen and I are out for a little walk after dinner. And we walk past a restaurant in our neighborhood and I look in the window and there's Al <laughs> sitting by himself watching the game on TV. I say, well, that's weird. <laughs> what are the chances of that? I tell myself, well, I can't just go barging into the restaurant and shove my hand in his face. I mean, come on, that's besides, I'm with Karen, we're taking a walk, and I had just about talked myself out of it. And I stopped, and I said, I gotta go say hi to, hi to Al. I know, it's weird, but I prayed about it. <laughs> so I barged into the restaurant, said hi to Al, we chatted about the game for a minute, and I said, you know, we talked about getting coffee once. Would you like to do that? He said, I'd love to do that. He reaches into his wallet, gives me his business card. He said, I'm down at Starbucks every morning. Come on down anytime. It was as simple and unweird as that. <laughs> it was just simple. Praying for one. We don't have to force things. We don't have to make them happen. We just ask God to open doors as we make our way through the day. You could say that's a coincidence. I can't promise those kinds of things happen every time you pray for one but they do seem to happen more often when we pray about them. And so I've been trying to pray that prayer ever since. Lord, give me one person or one opportunity today to share your love. So prayer is simply about teaching ourselves to pay attention, to walk through the day with eyes and ears and, and heart wide open to whatever might, God might be doing and, and to walk through doors. So that's the first principle of sharing our faith freely and graciously, simply to pray and I'm going to borrow Bo Chansey's expression, pray for one. Pray for one. But now what happens when that door opens? When God does call our attention to someone? We can't just barge in and start preaching, can we? Probably not. And so Paul has some wisdom here. His second step in this little strategy is simply to act. I'm going to call it act in love. So we pray for one and then we act in love. Verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now that phrase, the way you act, could literally be translated the way you walk, as in the way you walk through the day, the way you walk around town, the way you walk down the halls of your school or your workplace or the mall. Turns out sharing our faith isn't so much about talking, it's just about walking. It's about doing. It's about how we treat people. It's about how we react in situations. We talked about this last week. We talked about neighboring well. We said loving your neighbors yourself is simply caring for whoever God calls to your attention. We, we care for ourselves, and so we do that for the people God calls to our attention. We value them. We listen to them, we notice them, we laugh with them, we cry with them, we get to know them, we help them if we can. And if we're going to do that well, then we have to be thoughtful and intentional. That's what Paul says, be wise in the way you act. Don't just let the day happen to you. Don't sleepwalk through the day. 
Don't just react when things happen. Recognize moments and make the most of them. When you see something or someone, act in love. We're all familiar with the security instructions. See something, say something. Well, how about see someone, love someone? If you see someone, ask and look for a way to love that person. Could be a kind gesture, could be a greeting, could be a silent prayer, could be some expression of support. That expression, make the most of, comes right out of the marketplace. It actually means to buy up. It's describing what what a savvy shopper might do when they see a good deal. They snatch it up. Now, with Black Friday coming, my first image that came to my mind was shoppers scurrying down aisles, frantically throwing deals into their cart. I don't think that's what Paul has in mind. (laughs) I think what he has in mind is the person who Christmas shops every day of the year. Beginning December 26th for next Christmas. Every time they're in the store, they're looking for just the right gift at just the right price for just the right person. And when they see it, they don't say, oh, I can get it in December. They don't say, oh, I'll wait for another time. The line's long. They snatch it up right at the moment, and they do it all year long. And when Christmas comes, they're ready. I think that's what Paul's telling us. When you see a moment, snatch it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't overthink of it. Just act in love. So I'm thinking about the, some of the folks we met in the video there. Uh, the woman who's not sure what to say to the woman at the bus stop who wears the hijab. I don't know what to say to her, she says. How about, hello? <laughs> how about how old are your kids? Or how long have you been in the neighborhood? All you have to do is love a person. Don't you appreciate it when someone takes an interest in you and introduces yourself? Offer that to someone else. Or how about the woman with the cranky upstairs neighbor? What am I supposed to do about it? Well, how about learning your name? How about inviting her for tea? How about scraping the snow off her car? And the couple who just moved in across the street, how about accepting their invitation for dinner and getting to know them before you decide they're not going to like you? How many times a day do you and I have opportunities to act in a loving way to someone God calls to our attention? Sharing our faith is as simple as making someone else's day a little easier, a little happier, and maybe a little holier. And if we do those things consistently, sincerely, chances are we're going to find ourselves with opportunities to say something. And that's the third little step in this progression here. Pray for one, act in love, and speak when you have the chance. Speak when you have the chance. I know this is the hard part for most of us. We can manage the prayer thing. We can even manage to love people. But speaking out loud? God, faith, Christ, Jesus? I mean, that feels awkward. It's pushy. But look again what Paul actually says here. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There are some very liberating little phrases here. He talks about conversation, not preaching, not evangelizing, not proselytizing, not soul winning, just conversation. Talking to people in a normal tone of voice without an agenda about some topic of mutual interest. That's called a conversation. 
I'm sure we're all familiar, I've heard of that uh, rather popular matchmaking dating site called It's Just Lunch. Okay, what they're trying to do there with that title is to demystify the, the dating process, to take some of the drama and the tension and the awkwardness out of trying to meet someone and impress them and decide in the moment if they could be the one. It's so fraught. And so they're trying to just ratchet down the tension a little bit, and so their tagline is, it's just lunch, or maybe the best date of your life. In other words, don't stress about it. People do lunch all the time. Just enjoy it and see where it leads. That's not a bad way to approach sharing our faith. It's just a conversation. It may lead somewhere, it may lead nowhere. You might as well just enjoy it and see where it leads. Yeah, but how do you get started? I mean, how do you bring up church and faith in God in the course of daily life, just out of the blue? Well, maybe you don't start with, with faith or God or Jesus. Maybe you just start with what you did on the weekend. So a coworker says to you, um, hey, I saw the new J.K. Rowling film this week. It's really fun. And you say, cool, I, I went to church on Sunday and my pastor preached a killer sermon. <laughs> you know, something natural like that. Just... Now, you might not want to lead that way, but the sermon bit doesn't always work. But, but just by bringing up church, that's likely to raise all kinds of questions, like, what church do you go to? Or, I haven't been to church in a long time. Or, you go to church? I mean, any one of those things can lead to a very interesting conversation. If someone is sharing a tough situation with you, you listen attentively and compassionately, and maybe as you come to the end, you say, would you mind if I prayed for you this week? Now, by asking permission, you're not, you're not forcing prayer on them. They can say, no, thank you. But most people are happy to know that someone cares enough and believes enough to pray for them personally. Or again, how about some of the folks we met in the video? The guy who's got the outspoken atheist for a coworker. What am I supposed to say to him, he says. Well, how about, how did you come to this conclusion that there's no God? Or what part of faith do you struggle with? Or... Have you ever met a Christian you admire? It doesn't have to be an argument. You're just starting a conversation. Pastor Richard has a question he often likes to ask people. He'll say, uh, have, you ever, have you ever had a bad experience with church or Christians? Most people have. <laughs> Leads to some interesting conversations. Or how about the woman who's wondering if she should invite her barista to church on Sunday? Why would she listen to me? Well, if you just shove a flyer in her face out of the blue, she's probably not going to listen to you. But if you've taken time over many weeks to get to know her, to ask her about her pin or her t-shirt, to leave her a generous tip now and then, she may be very interested in hearing what you have to say or coming to your church. Remember, it's just conversation. It can lead somewhere or nowhere. You might as well just enjoy it. Paul goes on to say these conversations should be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Full of grace means there's no pressure. 
There's no expectation. There's no demand. There's no judgment. You don't have to win these conversations. You don't have to have the last word. You don't have to convince them. You just have the conversation. It's full of grace. And then he says, seasoned with salt. In other words, just enough gospel to make it interesting. You can make two mistakes with salt, right? Too much or too little? Too much salt, it's overbearing. Too little salt, it's bland. And most of us make the same mistakes when it comes to sharing our faith. Some of us say too much and it's overbearing. Most of us probably say too little and the conversation is vague and lifeless. The same way people enjoy a, live, a tasty meal, they enjoy a lively conversation. Well, speaking of conversations, my friend Al and I had coffee a week or so ago. He brought a book with him, a book on spirituality that he's been reading for a while, and, and we talked about it. I asked him what he liked about the book, and he kind of explained it all to me. Somewhere along the way, I happened to mention the word gospel, and he grimaced. What does that even mean anyway? And so I said, well, can I share with you a, a version of the gospel that I've learned about recently? It's called The Big Story. Maybe you remember we talked about this back in October, or September rather. It's kind of a simple way of presenting the, the good news of Christ. You draw these four circles. We in the world were designed for good. We in the world have been damaged by evil. Through Christ, we can be restored for better. And then we get to be sent out to heal the world and help it become the place it was meant to be. I actually drew those four circles on the, on the, on the Starbucks bag my scone came in. Just sketched it out right there. And when I was done, he said, I've never really kind of heard it that way before. And he folded up the piece of paper and stuck it in his pocket. Now, long story short, it ended up being a really interesting, easy conversation. I think we both enjoyed it more than we thought we were going to. When we left, he agreed to go read the Gospel of Mark, which he hadn't done in a long time, he said. And I agreed to pick up the book he had spoken about and, and read a little bit of it. We're going to get together again in a week or so. But before we were done, right before we left, he looked me in the eye and he said, thanks for reaching out to me. There's not many people you can talk to about things like this. And it struck me that I think people are a lot more interested, a lot more open to these kinds of conversations than we might think. I mean, who else? Where else? With whom? Do you get to talk about the most important questions of life in a safe, gracious, loving relationship? That's what we have to offer people. Remember, it's just a conversation. Or maybe the best news a person has ever heard. So that's Paul's little strategy. No stress strategy for sharing faith freely and graciously. Pray for one, act in love, and speak when you have the chance. As I was working on the message here, it occurred to me that we are coming up on perhaps the easiest time of the year to share faith with people. We're coming up on the Christmas season. You can hardly get through a day between now and Christmas without being reminded of God, church, faith, Jesus. I mean, two of the stations, radio stations, are already doing 24-7 Christmas music. It's every day. I don't care what religion you are or aren't. If you're not thinking about peace on earth and joy to the world and light in the darkness at this time of year, I don't know what planet you're living on. Everyone is thinking about these things. What an opportunity to pray 
and act and speak in ways that point people towards Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to make the most of that opportunity. So how about this? How about what if, beginning today, every day from now until Christmas, what if every day you and I were to pray for one? Each day, pray for one person, one opportunity to share God's love with the person. What might happen if we all did that? What if beginning today, every day, we were to walk through every door God opens for us to act in love towards a person he calls our attention to? What could happen? What if every day, beginning today, you and I were to speak about our faith or our church when we have the chance? It might be as simple as telling somebody what we love about Christmas, or better yet, asking them what they love about Christmas or what they don't love about Christmas. It might mean inviting them to a service or event here at church. I always get excited about our Christmas season here at Grace, and I'm just as excited this year. We've got a great journey planned. We'll tell you more about it next week as we get it started. But as you know, we work really hard, at Christmas especially, to bring a fresh, creative, surprising, engaging, personal perspective on a very familiar Christmas story. Because we want you to know you can invite your friends and family with confidence. I was talking to Pastor Cheryl about the Gift in Time event coming up for women a week, next week, or two weeks, two weeks. What a great, op- they have crafted a very unique, engaging encounter with the Christmas story. The whole thing is designed simply to start conversations with your friends. We have a blue Christmas service planned, December 13th, for folks who are struggling with grief and loss during this season. We'll do a Christmas monologue on uh, December 18th. Uh, Folks love to come to those. And of course, all of our Christmas Eve services. Last year, I checked our records. We had about 7,000 people for Christmas Eve. What if this year we prayed for 7,001? What if every one of us prayed for one person? that we would invite to any one of our Christmas services. What might happen? Now, I don't care about breaking a record. This is, this is about making the most of an opportunity. It's about proclaiming the mystery of Christ. It's about sharing our faith freely and graciously. What a way to live this is. What a way to thrive. To wake up every day saying, God, who do you have for me to serve today? To walk through our day looking for doors, And then to walk through a door, not knowing what we're going to find on the other side. To enter into conversations, not knowing where they might lead. To to speak freely about the Lord we've come to love and the life we've found with Him. To invite people into an experience we know will be a joy and a blessing to them. What a great way to live. What a way to thrive when we share our faith freely and graciously with others. Let's pray about that. We, th- we do thank you, Lord, for this rich season of the year we're entering into, for all the feelings and questions and longings and even disappointments, perhaps, that it stirs up in our hearts because we know every one of those stirrings are opportunities for us individually to come to know and understand and follow you more fully. But they're also ways for people we know and love to perhaps be open to knowing and following you in ways they never have before. So Lord, if we can be a part of any of those stories, we want to. So Lord, right now, in the quietness of these moments, 
on the threshold of the season. We ask you to begin putting upon our hearts the name of perhaps one person we might begin praying for. That you would show us how we might act in love towards people we're about to encounter. That you would open our eyes and hearts to recognize those moments in people. We ask, Lord, when the time is right, you'd give us courage and grace to speak. And Lord, we pray that you might lead us to folks whose hearts are ready for a fresh encounter with you and your good news. And we look forward to having many, many, many of, of them with us as we worship over the next month or so. And we look forward to many meaningful conversations we might have along the way. Lord, our simple desire is that we might thrive and that those we love would thrive as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.